0: Welcome to another episode of Franz Ward's podcast series, Shoveling Smoke. I'm Chris Kaler, your host for today's podcast. The last year has seen a large number of changes in labor and employment law. Changeover from the Trump administration to the Biden administration has taken deeper root, and the appointments at various agencies are starting to have more tangible effects. Franz Ward's Labor and Employment Group will be taking a deep dive into some of these developments at our annual day-long seminar at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo on June 14th. So we thought we'd identify some of the issues that are bubbling on the employment front and at the same time provide a preview of that seminar. Here with me today to give us some perspective on what's going on in this area is my partner Christina Nero. Christina is a member of France Ford's Labor and Employment Group. She advises employers in a broad range of employment law matters from discrimination, retaliation, wrongful discharge, and harassment claims to cases involving contract disputes and restrictive covenants. She has tried cases in state and federal courts and represents employers in various state and federal administrative agencies. Christina also provides employers of all sizes with day-to-day preventative counseling on the whole spectrum of employment topics. She spearheads the firm's OSHA investigation and compliance activities, and she's OSHA 30 certified. She regularly advises employers regarding OSHA compliance and preparation of and implementation of written safety programs. Hi, Christina. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Hey, Chris. Thanks
0: looking forward to the seminar?
1: Always. This is, uh, I think, my eighth year. I've got my math right. My first was I was very, very pregnant with my daughter. And um, it's a fun day. We get to see people that sometimes we don't physically see all year long because so much of our interactions are Zoom or phone or email, or what have you. So uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to see physically uh, the people that we work with all the time. And of course, for Our employment uh, professionals that we work with to get updates and practical advice on um, the employment law issues they're dealing with every day.
0: Who's your uh, ideal audience for this?
1: Sure, really anybody who is involved in human resources, attorneys, certainly in-house counsel uh, dealing with employment issues, people in HR functions, all employment professionals, really.
0: I go every year because it's a good way to bone up on employment topics that I deal with every day. What can uh, the listeners and attendees expect this year?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, As always, we've got multiple presentations on various topics. Some of them aren't necessarily going to be, you know, what's new and shiny in 2022, but they're topics that we get asked about with some regular amount of consistency, and these are issues that employment professionals deal with on a day-to-day basis. So one of those panels is going to be about Common HR issues, best practices, you know, kind of your bread and butter HR issues and how to avoid liability.
0: What are the bread and butter issues that you encounter most often, which we'll hear about at the seminar, I assume?
1: Sure. You know, certainly as we see more and more states updating and changing laws about cannabis, drug testing is a question that I get frequently, particularly with uh, multi state employers. The landscape right now continues to be varied. Uh, We're medical right now in Ohio, but there was a a proposal that's been put before the Ohio legislature. It doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere fast there. Governor DeWine says he would veto a bill to fully legalize marijuana Ohio. But of course, you know, if lawmakers don't pass the bill, supporters can still collect the 130,000 odd signatures they need and they can put the measure on the November ballot and then it can become law through a ballot initiative versus, you know, some act of a legislature. So, you know, employers are sometimes actively and proactively dealing with these issues. Some employers are kind of holding tight until they absolutely have to make changes to their policies and practices. But those are definitely conversations I have all the time with clients. Drug testing goes, you know, hand in hand with issues like criminal convictions and background checks. So there's going to be one entire presentation
0: that's kind of dedicated to those issues. Are employers changing their requirements or relaxing their requirements on things like drug testing and criminal background checks in the midst of the labor shortage?
1: Yeah. I mean, we continue, like you said, to be in a very, very tight labor market. In my experience and speaking with, you know, clients in various industries, I do think it is industry specific. Your manufacturing, your construction industries are definitely continuing to take a more conservative approach because... They do have all of these, you know, health and safety guidelines that they've got to be concerned with. They've got to be concerned with OSHA, federal agency, and perhaps, you know, state OSHA equivalents. Marijuana is still, you know, an illegal and unlawful drug according to federal law. So there's still that federal aspect that they're grappling with. But, you know, other employers who aren't in such heavily regulated industries are becoming a little bit more flexible. Simply by virtue of the fact that they need to have bodies in positions And if they're going to be eliminating everybody who pops a positive for marijuana, they're not going to have anybody to run their company.
0: You mentioned health and safety. Is COVID still an issue?
1: It is an issue. uh, I think that we can safely say will continue to be an issue in the workplace. Doctors are still learning and studying about the effects of COVID, the different symptoms and effects of long COVID in particular, you know, Long COVID, the federal government has said can be a disability under the ADA. CDC continues to update its guidance on COVID vaccines. It just did so last week. And we've got, you know, another panel discussion that's going to be dedicated to not just COVID, but these kind of ADA disability issues. COVID's definitely going to be, you know, part of that conversation and our conversations for a long time coming, I think.
0: What else on the disability and ADA side is, is bubbling?
1: Sure. So what constitutes an essential job function has kind of been in flux since COVID. We've now settled into, I would say, a little more uh, our new work routines. And so actually our one of our presentations is going to be a panel discussion with two in-house attorneys who are going to talk about what's changed, what stayed the same in their experience and, um, you know, how they are interpreting, for example, in-person attendance as an essential job function given the changing landscape and, frankly, the inconsistency in kind of legal interpretations of that concept
0: post-COVID. So, remote work is having an effect on application of ADA? Absolutely. I know we always have updates on what's happening with federal administrative agencies. As I indicated at the beginning, I I assume this is changing pretty dramatically over the last two years because of the changing of the guard. What's going on with these agencies?
1: Yes. So definitely lots of changes, as you mentioned, to the heads of these federal agencies with the incoming Biden administration. Some drastic changes were promised on the campaign front, and many of those have at least started to come to fruition. I think the first one that we've heard a lot about recently is the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, and their proposed essential ban on non-compete agreements. Non-compete agreements are something that employers rely on. You and I draft and analyze and enforce those all the time for executives and, and key sales positions and other people. So the FTC and their new proposed ban, which has not worked its way through the court systems. Yeah, but that's definitely a topic that will be a part of a presentation on all of these federal administration agency updates.
0: On this non-compete issue, and again, you and I know this, a lot of uh, states are moving towards banning those as well. Is this signaling an eventual end in the use of non-competes, do you think?
1: Uh, You know, it's hard to say. We're always going to have certain states that take a more conservative approach, certain states that are, shall we say, more progressive in their approach. But I think we can safely say there's been some consistency now over a period of months and years in this tightening of the labor market. And so, you know, employers, states, we all want to make sure, courts, frankly, too, that people have jobs and any restriction on the movement of employees between companies, I think, you know, is something that We're going to have to be thinking about loosening up here a little bit. If we want to keep people, again, keep people in those positions
0: doing work for these companies. So employers might have to let their employees go somewhere else and figure out how to protect information or trade secrets or customer names while letting their employees go elsewhere?
1: And that's that's basically, you know, the argument that we're hearing from these federal administrative agencies. You don't need a non-compete. You've got other things like confidentiality provisions, right, that protect what is essentially your valuable trade secret information. You don't need the non-compete if you've got the confidentiality piece of it.
0: Okay. What's going on with the Department of Labor?
1: There's always something going on with the Department of Labor, Chris. We've got uh, new guidance on handling telework under the Fair Labor Standards Act and the FMLA. Lots to flush out there. Also, it seems like we've always got updates on independent contractor rules. Those never seem to stay constant. So you'll, you'll hear about those in this, this same presentation. Artificial intelligence has gotten a lot of buzz really in the last couple of months, too. There was new guidance. Well, it's not... Not so new, but the EEOC has come out, you know, on artificial intelligence. And as a matter of fact, yesterday, the EEOC, the FTC, and uh, the head of one other federal agency came out pretty strong against artificial intelligence in the workplace. So we'll be talking about how AI and algorithms should be used and monitored so employers aren't running afoul of the various, you know, employment discrimination laws that we have on the books. Everyone wants to work smarter, not harder. But as we're seeing, there are some of these automated recruitment and performance tools that whether it's intentional or unintentional have been found to reject certain candidates, right, even entire groups of candidates based on protected reasons. So whether there's advancement, right, there are also unintended consequences. This is one of those issues that's going to have to get flushed out. But, you know, when you're talking about adverse effects, eliminating entire categories of populations and protected people from the job pool, that leads to class action litigation, right? That's a huge risk. And so that's definitely something that employers and and HR professionals are going to want to keep on their radar.
0: Right before I was getting on this podcast, I was putting together a settlement agreement and I was Considering whether or not I could put in confidentiality or non-disparagement provisions, I heard there's yep. a new new rule on that. What's going on there?
1: Yes. This is the uh, McLaren-Macomb decision that was out of the National Labor Relations Board. Again, you and I do this all the time. Anyone who does this work knows that confidentiality and non-disparagement are two big terms, big incentives for employers to enter into settlement or severance agreements. This McLaren-Macomb decision actually overruled old board precedent. And while it does not completely ban the use of confidentiality and non-disparagement terms in these kinds of agreements, it does place huge limits on how they can be used. It is a significant restriction on the use of these, these kinds of provisions. And again, we hope the decision works its way through the appeals process, but You know, we're having serious conversations with clients about, like you, whether we put these in these agreements and how far we can safely go without risking running afoul of this, you know, very, very new and inconsistent
0: opinion. So like non competes, is this signaling an end to these type of clauses or just limitations?
1: Yeah. You know, this is another example of the Biden administration's leadership's extremely aggressive position. I'm not sure that this is one that will stick around if the administration, you know, changes and things, you know, pendulum swings to the other end of the spectrum. But obviously, they've put it front and center. So we're going to have to be looking at it, whether we like it or not, at least in the
0: immediate future. What else should employers know about what's new in 2023?
1: We're going to be doing a separate presentation on... Some pregnancy-related laws that go into effect in June we will have an entire presentation dedicated to the Pregnant Worker Fairness Act and the PUMP Act, which is providing urgent maternal protections for nursing mothers. You know, we've issued blog posts on this and updates, but I've heard a lot of comments since this passed in November and December along the lines of, well, wait a second, we've got Title VII, We've had it since the 1960s, and the Pregnancy Discrimination Act came along in the 1970s. We've got the Americans with Disabilities Act. I don't understand what this new law is supposed to do. Did we need this law? What is this all about? So so I'll actually be presenting with Megan Bennett on that one, talking about the gaps that were filled by these new laws and some of new requirements employers are going to have to face, not just after an employee gives birth, but beforehand as well. And kind of, you know, how to get your ducks in a row when you're put on notice that you've got an employee who's expecting.
0: Well, it seems like a day isn't going to be enough to cover all the topics that you have going. I've gone to your seminars in the past. You always have a fantastic lunch speaker. Do you have somebody lined up for that?
1: We do. um, You know, as always, lots to discuss, but anyone with exposure to our firm knows that Franz Ward's very active in the community. We give back. We're interested in investing in what's happening in the community, and our lunch speakers always have that same kind of flavor. So, I'm going to keep it close to the chest on that one, but um, but we've always got somebody good lined up.
0: Good. Now, this is at the zoo, uh, most importantly, so they sometimes bring out animals for the crowd. Any feedback on what the animals they're going to have this year?
1: I don't, but I know it's not going to be snakes because every year I make them promise me that they will not bring out snakes, and every year they've held true to that promise. So, it's You know, something small, something that's, you know, can be brought inside and that, uh, you know, isn't going to be dangerous, certainly to any of our attendees. But, uh, you know, lizards, fine. Rodents, fine. No snakes. Otherwise,
0: I'm out. (laughs) Christina, thanks for providing a preview and a, and a little flavor for what's been going on in the labor and employment world and what things our clients and HR professionals need to look at in the future. In case anyone is interested in attending our seminar, there's information on our website, franceward.com, and we hope you can join us.
1: Thank you. I hope to see everybody there.
0: That wraps up another episode of Shoveling Smoke. Thanks for checking in with us, and we hope you'll listen next time. Shoveling Smoke is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Our producer and audio engineer is Sean Rule Hoffman. Thanks for listening.